Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! It's always funny when things go awry or, or when things are so traditionally good and smooth and then they fall off. Sometimes it takes a long time to accept that. But I was just thinking about this as I was driving in here to the ESPN studio. And one of the things that perplexes me the most right now is maybe accepting the fact that the New England Patriots are just bad. The, the NFL hasn't started yet. I was looking at the over-unders to prepare for a segment today. The over-under for the Patriots is 7.5. I thought to myself, well, the Patriots are definitely going to win more than seven games. They're going to be a playoff team, right? Because for most of my life, the playoffs, the Patriots were a playoff team. They haven't been lately. It's been hard to actually accept. Anyways, that's what I'm ruminating on as we roll into a jam-packed Wednesday afternoon for you. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio. Uh, another thing you're probably going to see blow up on Twitter if you have it and you're in Montana, the, the Atlantic, which is usually a great publication, just published a story <laughs> with the, uh, the quote tweet, Montana's just one state, but it did something maybe enough to fix its housing crisis. I don't think that that is indicative of what's going on here in Montana. You're going to see a bunch of this. Uh, but that's what I'm ruminating on coming into here. But while you're here today, a bunch of the same talking points from a bu- bunch of different viewpoints. We'll be joined here in just a minute by Sam Herter. He's the uh, senior uh, FCS analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. Uh, Sam, uh, the go-to guy, and our go-to guy certainly for um, – National FCS talk. We'll always have a a big sky and Montana centric angle for you, but uh, the FCS is tough to to monitor on a national level. So having somebody that does it professionally uh, is certainly a good thing. And uh, so we'll learn a little bit about Furman today, Sanford today. Those are a couple teams that you'll see ranked in the in the top ten of the uh, preseason polls. And uh, we'll also talk college football realignment, of course, and we'll talk some big sky conference stuff as well. Uh, Hour number two, another really fun guest, Matt Brown, the Extra Points newsletter. It's uh, sort of an in-depth look, the the newsletter that is, is an in-depth look at just the ins and outs of of college athletics. And he does such a great job of covering college sports from a business perspective, financial perspective, and an administrative perspective. And uh, he's joined us on the show before, but I really wanted to get his thoughts on college football realignment. So he's back uh, with us uh, for the ESPN Roundtable. We're also going to hear from Cleveland Thomas, 
who is a wide receiver at Montana State. He joined me earlier today, uh, so we'll catch up with him. He's a seventh-year wide receiver, so what a dynamic that is uh, just in general in college football. We also got some NFL over-under win totals, some free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, and a rehashing of the toughest road schedules uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Toughest non-conference, I should say. Freudian slip there because most Big Sky schools have to play most of their non-conference football games on the road. So those are sort of one and the same. But uh, there is some powerhouse schedules for Big Sky Conference teams. So who's got it uh, toughest? Who's got it easiest headed into uh, the 2023 season? It's Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. If you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Our guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. You want to remember that, 406-888-1029, to win some wings here in about, oh, I don't know, about 40 minutes, uh, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Uh, Our man, Sam Herter, he's got some fun plans tonight, so I caught up with him earlier this week. Well, a renewal of sorts, football is back upon us, and for yet another season, we'll be joined weekly by our good buddy, Sam Herter. He's the senior FCS analyst at Hero Sports and Bet MGM, and appreciate him for always taking some time. We're pre-recording this actually on a Tuesday because Sam has a fun evening coming up. I'll tell you a story, uh, Sam, because you're saying you're going to the Zach Bryan concert in Minneapolis on Wednesday, which should be great. Zach Bryan, great singer-songwriter who's really just taken the music world by storm. I had no ideas about Zach Bryan, though, and I had him totally confused with Luke Bryan. And one of my buddies comes to me and says, hey, man, you got to listen to this Zach Bryan guy. And I was like, dude, I do not want to listen to Luke Bryan. Not my thing. <laughs> and then I, I find out that's a completely different guy. So uh, I'm jealous of you, my man. Uh, that should be a fun evening there in Minneapolis. Yeah, you know, it's, he's you know he's kind of underground a little bit, but he's getting more popular. And so um, a lot of people do get him mixed up with uh, either the Zach Brown uh, band or Luke Bryan. Um, but yeah, I actually saw him uh, a year ago last fall um, at, at a brewery and it was only about, you know, maybe a couple thousand people there. And now at, at, tar- at the target center, it's going to be, you know, 15,000 people. And so he, he's blown up quite a bit in the last year. He's almost as famous as us. <laughs> let's uh, let's <laughs> yeah. talk about the crazy world of college football right now before we get into some FCS stuff and, and sort of how it relates to the FCS. If you haven't heard, if you live under a rock, Football out west completely fell apart over the weekend. Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado to the Big 12. And all of a sudden now there's four Pac-12 now Pac-4 schools left standing. Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. Uh, Before we get into how this is going to affect the rest of the FCS, what did you think of just this entire dynamic, Sam? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I, there's, there's always, you know, talk, you know, last year and two years ago, even a few months ago of, of how the college football landscape is going to shift. And um, I obviously knew it was going to shift in a big way, but I was always skeptical of, you know, there's going to be, it's going to go from a power five to a power two, and then they're going to split off. And then the G five uh, might, might merge with the top of the FCS. And then the, the FCS is going to become the new third subdivision of, of division one football. You know, I kind of knew, okay, maybe that's a possibility, but I don't know. That's such a huge change and such a drastic change that, you know, I'm not going to call that happening or anything. But now, you know, with all these moves, it appears we're, ha- uh, we're heading um, in that direction sooner than later. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I don't really watch a whole lot of FBS football. You know, I don't, I'll watch, you know, the semifinal game and the national title game. And so, you know, for me, I don't really care that Oregon is, is going to the Big Ten. It doesn't make sense to me, um, but, you know, I, I really don't care. But, you know, how it does impact me is, as we know, there's a trickle-down, and if all of a sudden this means that there's, uh, you know, an avenue for some top-level FCS schools to make a jump to the group of five, then that does impact me. And so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of all this realignment stuff, um, but I do find it fascinating because of that trickle-down effect of how it could, how it can potentially impact the FCS. It is frustrating because it's so much about money and it's not about regional rivalries anymore. I mean, the fact that the Civil War is going to have to be a non-conference game now or that the Apple Cup is in peril, it just seems so silly. Yet, though, it's not unexpected, as you said. We sort of have seen this coming down the pipeline. And uh, so yet again, the, the great question rises to the top again. 
what does this mean for the powers that be in the FCS? How does North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, how do they sort of find footing in this and uh, and find a way to fit into all of this? Um, I I have my theories. I think that the uh, the Rocky Mountain teams in the Mountain West, Wyoming, Air Force, uh, Colorado State, New Mexico. Uh, and probably Utah State. I think those five are going to uh, get a bind together. And if they have the the other West Coast, Mountain West, and Pac-12 schools involved, maybe, maybe not. I also think those West Coast schools like San Jose State, Fresno State, San Diego State, and then Boise State, and on down the line, Hawaii's in there too. Nevada, UNLV. I think they'll sort of pin together as well. Uh, but, but what do you think is the best way to navigate this if you are one of the the best uh, and biggest FCS powers right now? Yeah, so a, a big factor in this is is the timing, uh, you know, because if this was, um, you know, if, you know, this happened, you know, three months ago where, where the Pac-12 basically dissolved, um, I think it would look very likely that you could see four, five, six Mountain West teams just leave the Mountain West and go, you know, and go join those four Pac-12 schools. The reason I don't think that's going to happen is because, you would need more than a year notice to, to leave the Mountain West for another conference. And so if, let's say, four Mountain West schools were to join those four Pac-12 schools and you know form a new Pac-8 and do that in 2024, each one of those Mountain West schools would, would have to pay a $34 million buyout to leave the Mountain West for the 2024 season. And no Mountain West team, not even San Diego State, <coughs> can afford that buyout. And so that's why I don't think we're going to see you know, the Mountain West splits, you know, as you said, um, and that way, uh, what I think we could be heading toward is, um, you know, you look at those remaining Pac-4 teams, it seems like Cal and Stanford, you know, their, their uh, you know, possibility of joining the, AC, the ACC, which seemed like a long shot, that, from what I've been reading, that appears to be a 50-50 chance. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense for college football fans, you know, when you see Cal Stanford going to the ACC, but for those presidents and for those, uh, those TV partners, um, it sounds like more and more it is making more sense for them to add Cal and Stanford. Um, and so then, you know, maybe Oregon State and Washington State, you know, maybe they, they have to join uh, the Mountain West or maybe they have to join uh, the AAC um, or if the ACC, you know, doesn't add Cal or Stanford. I could see Stanford going independent um, and I could also then see Cal, Oregon State, Washington State sticking together um, and either joining the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, because the American has been pretty aggressive, or another thing that can happen is the Mountain West and the Pac-2, the Pac-3, the Pac-4, they merge into one. Um, and this scenario, basically all those scenarios I just said, do not bode well for Montana, Montana State, NSU's hopes to go to the FBS. Because if the Mountain West and the Pac-12 just merge and they become one conference and the Mountain West dissolves in name only, then there's there's no there's no more Mountain West uh, for for Montana NDSU Montana State to go to, um, and so all that to wrap up, I think the Pac-12 uh, dissolving as it did is not good for Montana Montana State NDSU's hopes to go to the FBS. Um, I think the best situation would have been, you know, maybe there's maybe six or seven Pac-12 teams stayed, and then they add you know SMU to get to eight in 2024, and then they added three four more Mountain West teams in 2025 to get back to ten or twelve. The fact that there's only four Pac-12 teams left, I don't think that that hard of a hit to the Pac-12 is good for, uh, again, th- those teams I just mentioned uh, as far as going FCS to FBS. I think this this situation really hurts those chances. Juan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's our Across the FCS featuring Sam Her- Herder, the uh, senior analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. Uh, so much of this conversation, we don't really know what's going to happen. We can predict and prognosticate, but we don't really know. So let's talk about just the upcoming football season, because I think we we do know uh, who's in the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky and the Colonial Athletic Association and et cetera uh, this upcoming year. So uh, I know you've been making the rounds, diagnosing teams uh, from coast to coast. Is there anything particular that stands out that you've learned that maybe surprises you? Or who do you think could be sort of a, a surprise team or a, a team that could be on the up-and-coming uh, this upcoming football season? Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting as you, you know, kind of, you, you originally have a kind of a 100-foot view of all these teams, and then, um, you know, you spend a day uh, doing a deep dive into each 
you know, top 25 to 30 teams uh, where you, you know, you really look into, um, you know, not just, okay, they have seven starting offensive, you know, players coming back, but who are those seven players? Um, or, you know, they have a, an experienced offensive line, but, oh, you know, all five starters are coming back on the offensive line and they're getting a the sixth guy back from injury. And so you obviously learn a bit more, um, you know, for each of these top 25 teams. You know, some things that, that stood out, you know, it's interesting that Idaho is getting a lot of preseason hype um, and a lot of people are, are talking about Idaho's preseason hype for being a first-round team that is now, you know, in the top eight. Uh, but another team is Furman, who's, you know, they lost in the second round last year, a uh, very close loss to Incarnate Word. They're also getting a lot of preseason uh, hype, and they're even higher up on a lot of ballots than Idaho. Yet, you know, the reaction to top 25s right now is why is Idaho hyped up so much, and not many people are talking about why is Furman hyped up so much. Uh, but I do think that Furman and Idaho could could really be those programs that rise uh, pretty high. You know, I think Holy Cross is another program that can rise uh, pretty high uh, as well. Um, and then, you know, Sacramento State, uh, you know, there always seems to be some false narratives about Sacramento State. You know, one is that no one goes to their games. You know, that's not true. They, they averaged like 15,000 people a game last year. Uh, another narrative was that, you know, they never played and beat anyone in the big sky. They got an easy schedule. That's also not true. And it seems like this offseason, the narrative around Sac State is, oh, they lose everyone. And that's definitely not true. Now they lose star power names, you know, the head coach, two quarterbacks, Cameron Scadua running back, uh, their best defensive player, Marty Mapu. But overall, they return, uh, I think, four offensive line starters, their number two running back. Uh, they bring in Carson, Carson Camp at quarterback. Uh, their top pass catcher, Marshall Martin, uh, at tight end, he's coming back. Like eight of their top 11 tacklers are all coming back. So Sac State returns a lot more. Uh, then what they lose, it's just those players that they do lose, you know, are obviously heavy hitting names. But I, I still think Sac State is, uh, you know, are they going to go ten and one or eleven and zero? No, but could they go nine and two and eight and three or eight and three? I, I definitely see that for Sac State. I don't think they're going to fall as much as you know maybe some people might think. I totally agree. I had Sacramento State number two in my preseason Big Sky Media poll. I had Montana State number one, Sac State number two, Weber State number three, mo- mostly because of the ease of Weber State's schedule. They host the Bobcats to open up conference play, but then they don't have to play the Grizz. They don't have to play Sac State. So uh, I had Weber third, and then I had uh, Idaho fourth and Montana fifth. So I was a little bit uh, different than I think what a lot of people voted, but I agree with you when it comes to Sac State. I want to go back, to though, to, to Furman. What is it about the Paladins that have them uh, rolling along? I mean, why are they receiving some of this hype, and, and also what makes them a strong team? I mean, what sort of uh, style are they going to play? What sort of style do they need to play to have success? Yeah, so so Furman kind of falls, like I said, under the, the same line of, uh, of Idaho, where every year around this time, you know, us voters, we look at a team that uh, maybe had a breakthrough season last year. They made the playoffs for the first time in a while. Uh, they had a really close loss early, early uh, in the playoff bracket, and they bring basically everyone back. Uh, you know, and that's the case uh, with Furman. Uh, you know, overall, last year, they, they had a really strong season. They actually only had one FCS loss um, in, in the regular season, and that was the Sanford. Um, and Sanford eventually made uh, the quarterfinals. But, you know, for whatever reason, Furman um, – you know, they flew under the radar, even though they were seven and one versus the FCS, eight and one versus the FCS. They kind of flew under the radar last year. Um, and then once they got to the playoffs, uh, they absolutely hammered Elon, who was what we thought was a, was a pretty solid CAA team. They won like 31 to six over Elon in the first round. And then in the second round, uh, they nearly beat incarnate word. Um, and we know how good UIW was last year. That was a historically good offensive team for UIW. Um, and Furman, you know, really should have won that game. There was a controversial holding call late in the game um, that led to UIW scoring and winning that game. From that team, Furman returns 18 starters. Uh, you know, 38 players on their 44 men, two deep, are all coming back. Uh, I really like their quarterback, Tyler Huff. Um, you know, a, a dual threat guy, um, but, you know, his numbers may not pop off the page, but he has such command of that offense. I really like Tyler Huff. You know, a thousand yard running back coming back and Roberto, you know, the defense, I think the front seven uh, is going to be pretty solid. Uh, they return 10 starters from the defense. Their top 11 tacklers secondary needs uh, a lot of work in my opinion, but I, like I said, I think their front seven um, is good. And, you know, they're not a, they're pretty different from Sanford. You know, Sanford likes to spread you out and they're kind of that high powered quick offense. Uh, Furman is, um, they're, they're pretty balanced offensively. They like to establish the run. And so um, I like the makeup of this team to, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to win a national title, but could they make it to the semifinals? I, I don't think that would be too much of a surprise for Furman. Sam Herter joining us, Hero Sports. You listen to Nuanas now, ESPN Radio.
SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Uh, the other team I wanted to ask you about that I'm a little bit unfamiliar with is Sanford. I know that they run a, a wide-open system. They throw the ball all over the place, but they're also getting some top-10 hype. Uh, what can you tell us about them? Yeah, so that, that I think so. Uh, out of the SoCon, Sanford and Furman, uh, you know, those are the top two teams out of the SoCon. Uh, really good two top uh, two teams there uh, out of the Southern Conference. Sanford made the quarterfinals last year. You know, played, played NDSU in the quarterfinals decently tough you know it was a close game at halftime um and then it was pretty similar actually to the montana ndsu game you know pretty close game for two and a half quarters and then ndsu just kind of you know as they always do they lean on their opponent and they pull away and win by you know you know three three seventeen to twenty one points i mean that that's the exact same thing that happened to sanford uh they're going to bring back a high-powered offense uh this year michael hires is their quarterback um, you know, last year he threw for 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Um, and so he's coming back. I think he's arguably, you know, a top one or two quarterback in the FCS. Uh, you know, leading rusher is back, leading pass catcher is coming back. Uh, the defense with Sanford is, um, is usually always a below average unit. You know, they, they usually win games like 45 to, to 30, you know, kind of high scoring games like that. Uh, the defense loses quite a bit of experience. Uh, but overall, you know, I think Sanford is a solid team. You know, they're are they a legit national title contender? No, but are they a team that could make it to the quarterfinals again this year? I, I think that is looking pretty likely for them. And last one, when it comes to just sort of around the FCS, Holy Cross uh, has a great quarterback, and they were competitive last year, uh, but they come from a sort of a non-major FCS league in the Patriot League. Is there any realm of possibilities the Holy Cross could truly contend for a national championship this year? Probably not, but then again, there's there's really only three teams in that co- in that conversation of truly contending for a national title. Um, that's South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Montana State. You know, if, if any team outside of those three win the national title this year, I would be very very shocked at that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Holy Cross and, and Furman and Idaho and William and Mary. That doesn't mean they're they're not really good FCS teams. I just don't think they're they're top tier teams. Uh, but I do like what Holy Cross is uh, has coming back. Uh, you look at last year, um, I mean, they, they went 11-0 with an FBS win, but because their strength of schedule wasn't all that great, you know, they, they only got the number eight seed in the playoffs. And so um, that's one thing that people will question about Holy Cross is, you know, they play in the Patriot League, which isn't all that strong. You know, they don't have any ranked opponents on their schedule this year. Uh, they do play Boston College and Army, two winnable FBS games, and so we'll see what, what Holy Cross can do against those FBS opponents. Uh, but, yeah, they have a lot coming back from last year. Uh, they played South Dakota State, the toughest out of out of all of South Dakota State's uh, opponents during the playoffs. Uh, it was it was 21-21 going into the fourth quarter, um, and Holy Cross was playing really well at South Dakota State in the quarterfinals. Uh, you mentioned the quarterback Matthew Sluka. Uh, he he's a dude um, to lead that offense. And then a name to keep an eye on that maybe some FCS fans forgot about is their middle linebacker uh, Jacob Dobbs. Uh, he only played in in four games last year due to injury, but in 2021, uh, I mean he had. Let's see, 137 tackles, 17 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, and seven pass breakups. And he's six foot, 237 pounds of, of sheer muscle. I mean, the guy's a specimen. He makes plays all over, all over the field. Uh, he's back uh, this year to lead that defense. And so I think Holy Cross is a, a very, very talented team. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio across the FCS. Sam Herter of Hero Sports joining us, uh, which brings us all the way around then full circle. Uh, the Bobcats, Montana State, the uh, the consensus pick to win the Big Sky Conference in the preseason. They return a ton from a team that went undefeated in the league last year and uh, went to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs for the third time in a row. What scenario would have to play out for Montana State to not win the Big Sky Conference championship? And in turn, is there anybody else in the Big Sky that could truly compete for a national championship, or is the Big Sky's hopes uh, resting solely upon the Bobcats? Yeah, I think the the one thing that can, um, well, not the one thing because you know there, there's there's injuries and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing that could trip Montana State up as far as not winning the Big Sky championship is just that that road schedule. Um, you know, I, the most likely scenario is Montana State probably goes seven and one in conference play, um, and then there's uh, another team. You know, maybe it's Idaho. You know, they have a pretty favorable uh, road. Uh, Home schedule, excuse me, maybe Idaho also goes seven and one. Um, and more than likely, as we've seen multiple times, the Big Sky title is probably going to have, uh, you know, a co champion. But you look at Montana State, you know, first off, a uh, road trip to number one South Dakota State out of conference. But then 
uh, you know, Weber State, Sacramento State, Idaho, and Montana. Those are all road games in conference. And, you know, those are all maybe top 10 teams, if not top 15 teams. And so, um, you know, just that, that brutal road schedule of, uh, you know, maybe I kind of look at that uh, late October. You go to Sacramento State and then you go to Idaho. Um, I think I think when I uh, was looking at Montana State's game-by-game predictions, I think I predicted a loss at Idaho. Now, do I think Idaho is better than Montana State? No. Do I think Idaho is going to make it further in the playoffs than Montana State? No. But week to week, you know, the, the in-season grind, at some points you just have it. I mean, shoot, Montana State last year almost lost at Northern Arizona. So I just think there's going to be one slip up there uh, somewhere on the road in Big Sky Conference play. Um, and then maybe they end up going seven and one and, and, and sharing that big sky conference title with another team. Sam Herter here on uh, hero uh, of hero sports, excuse me, here on ESPN radio, joining us here on this Tuesday. You're listening to it uh, on a Wednesday. Last thing for you, man, uh, to me, it, it, the big sky is cut and dry just in terms of the teams that can compete for playoff spots and the teams that can't. I think that it's pretty defined that, Montana, Montana State, Weber State, Sac State, and uh, Idaho have inside tracks to the playoffs. And then if UC Davis uh, was to to muddle it up, and and uh, you know if they were to beat the Grizz in in uh, Davis on October seventh, for example, or you know they have a couple other shots at some of the other top teams in the league. Uh, but I think it's those six, and I, I think that there's really no scenario that could possibly play out in which anybody else from the league could make it into the playoffs. What do you think that says about the big sky? And, and uh, I mean, is that a good or a bad thing? Is having sort of a defined hierarchy with half your teams in the top 16 and the other half nowhere close to receiving votes, is that good or bad just for the overall uh, dynamic and uh, makeup of the big sky? I think it's probably more good than bad. You know, of course you want to have, you know, top to bottom depth is, is obviously, you know, you it is good for a conference to have, um, you know, really good teams top to bottom. But at the same time, if we're talking about, you know, who can make the playoffs and how many teams uh, you have that can, that can make that, that can make the playoffs, it is kind of nice to have, uh, you know, kind of a, a big divide there between the top six and the bottom six or even having some top heaviness uh, to your conference. You know, that's one thing that, you know, the SOCON has, has struggled with, quote-unquote struggled with in the last few years is I think the SOCON has had, you know, four pretty good to, to really good teams at the top of their conference, but it's so competitive top to bottom that their third and fourth place team finished seven and four and a seven and four SOCON team just doesn't move the needle uh, for the playoff committee as, as much as a seven and four uh, big sky team. But when you have that top heaviness where, you know, you don't have your, your seventh place team, you know, knocking off your second place team because they're, they're pretty even that's good for you because you want as many seven win, eight win, nine win teams, uh, in your conference as much as possible, and especially if you're the big guy when you have national respect. I mean, eight Division One wins in uh, in the Big Sky Conference, you're basically a lock for, for the playoffs. Seven wins, you know, I can't say you're 100% lock, but 75% of the time, if you have seven Division One wins uh, out of the Big Sky Conference, you're probably going to make the playoffs. And we saw that with the Grizz last year, who, you know, didn't really have a great win, Per se, but they had seven Division One wins. Um, they kind of had a skid there in the middle of the season. But the the the, the playoff committee looked at Montana and said, you know, a seven and four uh, Big Sky team, um, you know, that's probably good enough to make it in the playoffs. And so I think kind of having that somewhat top heaviness is is good for the Big Sky, where these six top six teams can all separate themselves, not get upset um, by any of the bottom six teams, and, and kind of rack up those wins there for for playoff bids. He's Sam Herter. You can find all his work, Herosports.com, or you can follow him on Twitter as well. He is the senior analyst there for Hero Sports for FCS football as well as uh, for Bet MGM as well, and he'll join us uh, throughout the season. Sam, enjoy the concert. I'm so jealous. Can't wait to hear about it, and uh, best of luck with it. But uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Lucky to have that guy. A font of information for sure. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. One of the most entertaining players on the Montana State Bobcats is the guy who joins us next. Super senior wide receiver, Cleveland Thomas, our Montana State Minute. Right after this, keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. ESPN Radio, Nuwana's Now. Rolls on. We caught up with one of the most uh, flamboyant and entertaining guys on the Montana State Bobcats earlier today. Well, time now for our Montana State Minute. The Montana State Bobcats rolling through uh, fall camp right now, about to embark into their second week of fall camp. So that's when it gets real. We're joined now by seventh-year wide receiver there at Montana State, second year there at MSU, but his seventh year at college football. Cleveland Thomas uh, joins us now on the Montana State Minute. CT, thanks so much for being with us, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just got done finished practice and feeling good. And yourself? Very good. Thanks so much for asking. I know last year, probably uh, a fun one and a frustrating one for you as well. I know it was fun to have a new start and uh, you had a great role on the team, but also uh, sort of a blip in the radar there with some of the, uh, the eligibility stuff. I know a lot of that was out of your control and it cost you a couple of games, but just take us through it. I mean, how are you able to navigate it all and, and uh, how happy are you to be back for another year there at MSU? Oh, yeah, I, I do want to thank MSU, man. They handled it well. It it was something that was out of nowhere. I mean, we were, I promise you, I remember getting called to the Coach Vegan office. I think it was the Friday before Weber. Um, I go up there, and Coach Vegan like, yeah, this happened. I'm just like, what? And I remember uh, having to sit out that game. That was a hard day for me. I'm not going to lie to you, because watching my teammates out there, having to tell them, the situation saying like I don't even know what's going on. We're going but we handled it well, we narrated it well and uh I think uh the compliance uh, staff for at MSU and um we definitely handled that and we left it last year. We got it down to two games and I was able to come back and help the Bobcats in a way that, you know, the best uh promote the team and um I'm just happy. I'm happy that it, I hope I'm happy it's done. Kind of, yes, you're right. I was very frustrated, not going to lie to you. It was disheartening to me, but uh, I'm just blessed to be able to really come back and play a full season now. Well, and you get another season, right? So what went into getting the seventh year, and, and uh, how excited are you for it? I mean, you must be pretty pumped to be back on uh, yet another top three team in the country. Yes, sir. Uh, so what went into getting the seventh year was uh, I told my ACL a lot of meniscus when I was at Kentucky at, in 2021. So... I just put in a medical red shirt and uh, I remember putting that in and then just like waiting to hear back from that. And then the whole curve curveball from the getting suspended games happened. So I was excited. I was like, Oh my gosh, I might get another year. And then the curveball with the suspension happened. So I just kind of forgot about it. And then once I got back to be able to play from the suspension, they was like, yeah, CT, you got to prove I'm like, Oh, this, God is good. You know, thank, you know, this is exactly what I need to lift me up, lift my spirits. And, uh, yeah, it all worked out. And I'm here, like you said, top three team. And, um, go be top one at the end, man. That's what we're looking forward to. Cleveland Thomas joining us here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. He's a senior wide receiver there at Montana State. It is our Montana State Minute uh, here on the radio. I want to ask you about that. You guys do have such high expectations. Talk to Tommy Mallott and Bertie Greeby, Sebastian Valdez, some of the leaders of the team, and they all say, hey, not only do we want them, we love it. We want the expectations. So uh, how do you go about embracing it, and, and how do you guys sort of have that cumulative attitude that uh, you guys really are chasing the national championship, and that that is the ultimate goal? Our attitude just starts with the first thing we do every day is just 
in here having good energy, and it's a day-by-day thing. Like, when we walk in here, we're not practicing like it's just another day. We're not practicing getting through fall camp. No, every time you step on that field, the opportunity to get a step closer to what we all want. It's a national championship. If you don't want the same thing, if your energy is off, if you're not chasing where you're chasing, then you're a hindrance. And we cut, we cut off the fat, you know what I'm saying? So we've definitely been having good spirits about us. We def, it, it gives us that extra oomph, you know what I'm saying, to strive better, practice better, and just we just, have, we, just, we just all want it. We have a very mature team with every physical, very talented team and discipline, and I just can't wait for, you know, Balkan Nation to see it. It's been uh, interesting to watch how well Montana State's been able to run the ball the last couple of years, but it's also been a place where some transfer receivers have been able to make their name, and now it's sort of that uh, same story again. Year two for you, Ty McCullough now into the program. Uh, Junior Alexander expected to make waves as well. Uh, so what do you think of that dynamic? Why is Montana State an enticing place to transfer to as a wide receiver? Well, it just is a – I feel like it's a – Marquis said it best. is a place of second chances. And I'm going to take off what he said because I just feel like when guys are playing at different schools and you come here and your receiver is just like – yeah, you've been at like – all right, so Ty came from an air raid. I came from different offense. Junior came from different offense. But you look at this offense, it has the opportunity to be something so great for a wide receiver. Now, it all depends on us to make that happen. That's why like, it's intriguing. Like, I came here, I saw what well, – I mean, Coach House was the same coach that coached uh, the year before when I got here. Like, I seen what he did with Lance. But it took Lance to do what – you know, Coach Hoskey only called plays. It takes the player to make the plays. So I see the opportunity. It just takes me and Junior and Ty to make those plays. So I just think it all entices us when we look at that. It's just like, okay, this place has the opportunity to pass the ball. And I believe that each of us think of ourselves as those individuals to make those plays. And you you worked a lot on the inside last year. Now you're working a lot on the outside, too. So um, what's the transition been like for you? What sort of challenges have you faced? But how you, also, how have you picked it up? Um, so I, um, I kind of got, kind of got, uh, what's the word? I, I had kind of smooth transition because last year I played a little bit outside at the ending of the season. So it wasn't just like an abrupt transition. But uh, some challenges is uh, – there's different releases, different ways I can attack the ball out the air. It's definitely a difference from the slot to the outside because in the slot, the ball travels you faster. The difference spinning the ball, I believe, and high balls are at a different angle versus outside, the ball takes longer to travel to you. You have to read the ball. You know, that's a different component you have to take in because in the slot, it's right there. You got to get your eyes ready. Outside, you have to judge whether that ball is still spinning or floating in the air. So it's just, for me, it was uh, me in the offseason. I was catching balls every day, getting different types of balls, and just getting my eyes to locate the ball and tracking the ball better. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, I believe in my hands, but it's just being able to track that ball while having a good leverage on the DB. And then the rest of the group, I mean, the, 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 some of the, the newer guys are getting a lot of the headlines. I know McCullough is as fast as it gets, and, and Junior is such a, a, a big body who's got such sure hands. But it seems like there's some young guys in the receiver group that are making some waves as well. I know Taco won't be back for a little while, Taco Dowler. Uh, but, I mean, Christian Anaye looked really good during spring. I know Aiden Garrigan's made some strides too. How would you evaluate us, the young guys in the program? Oh, it's so crazy you call Aiden. Garrigan, a young guy. I view him as an old head like me. He's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, nah, AG has definitely, definitely showed me what he can do. Uh, he attacks the ball to air. He does everything right. He's such a good person off the field. Like, I could talk on and on about Aiden. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I love him as a person. He's he, he fast when he needs to be. He's physical when he needs to be. He just does everything right. And then you got Christian Anaya. I call him the freak because you'll catch a ball. You know, you catch a ball. Like, everybody catches a ball at receiver. But he does something a little bit extra that makes the play just wow. Like, he, he does these – he has these, a lot of wow moments. Like, how did he do that? Like, sports tenor top ten plays Christian Anaya makes. 
But uh, he's very he's he's becoming instead of it being wild plays, it's becoming every play he's making a play. So that's why I see a key difference from him being in the spring to now. Is it becomes for he developed as a receiver because it's not just every oh once in the blue moon. Now it's becoming every other play. So they're definitely doing good. Uh, we got so I'm not gonna lie. We got our whole room is back. I mean, even the freshmen that come in, like I even believe they all have high ceilings. They just got to be confident in themselves. We're gonna we're gonna surprise Bobcat Nation because our receiver core is really nice. Like we have a, diff, a lot of key components that's gonna make us great. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Cleveland Thomas, Montana State senior wide receiver, uh, joining us. Uh, last thing for you here, I'm sure we'll talk to you again before fall camp's over, but last thing for today, uh, the, how about the guys throwing the ball, particularly Tommy Malott? I, I know that Sean Chambers can spin it as well, but Tommy, it seemed like last spring was a lot more healthy, and you could just tell he was just throwing it way better. Have you seen that still in fall camp, and, and how would you just describe the way he's developed and evolved as a quarterback? Um, So me and Tommy, we spent a lot of time in the offseason just throwing, I feel like, Mayhem or sink, honestly. I definitely see the difference. Like, even like last year, I was telling, like, when you, like you said, he's healthier now, like in the spring versus last fall. I mean, he still, I mean, he still has that same arm. He, he's throwing well, throwing strong. He's on time, on target. Accuracy is like crazy. Like, the ball's there before I even turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's dialed. You know, that's, I feel like that's the, the best way to put it. He's very, he's dialed and, he makes the like if 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 the ball is incompleted, nine times out of ten, might might be ten out of ten. It's more me than him. <laughs> but uh, Tommy's definitely dialed, and uh, the strides he's taken as a as a passer has been has been leaps and bounds. Honestly, you can you can tell when is when he's under pressure now. Instead of just taking off, he's actually looking at, looking keeping his eyes downfield. So I mean. I love it. I love the strides he's making, and I can't wait to see it in action. Cleveland Thomas here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with uh, the next couple weeks, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Cleveland Thomas, the time he came on last year when he was telling us about <laughs> just the day in and day out where he grew up on South Beach in Miami it was just classic. He's like, oh man, I'd love to take you Montana boys down there. He's a really entertaining guy, and I think he's going to be a good player. He was a good player last year. I think he has a chance to be really good this year uh, at Montana State, so we appreciate Cleveland Thomas uh, for joining us uh, here on Nuanas Now. NFL over-under win totals and free wings. Can't get much better than that. That's next. Keep it right here. Wing Wednesday coming at you. ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. One, two, three. is now on ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hope you're having a great week so far. Can't believe it's uh, already Wednesday. Appreciate you for spending some time here. Uh, on to on is now. No matter if you are... Listening on the radio on 102.9 FM or watching on TV, SWX Montana Television, or streaming on the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for being here. NFL football season's around the corner. The preseason's rolling. Hard Knocks is underway. The NFL Top 100 is out. So uh, I got the football fever. I watched a half a dozen episodes of the NFL Top 100 last night. Uh, I can't find anywhere that it's in its just, where do you watch this thing in its full duration? There's, you know, each player's little six-minute vignette is there on YouTube, but I just want to watch from 100 through number one and just, you know, piece it out. Binge that thing, man. We get some good radio content out of that. I can't find it anywhere. Anyways, the NFL is right around the corner, and I can't wait for it. 
Need somewhere to watch the NFL this year? Desperado. They got you covered. One of my favorite places to watch football. They have not one but two sports bet machines, so you can get there on either side. Also have the best wings in town, delicious beers, great burgers and fries. Go check them out there on Russell Street across from the YMCA. And if you want some free Desperado wings right now, Wing It Wednesday, courtesy of the Dispo, call us, 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Call right now. Caller number three. We got a dozen wings to the uh, Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Triple eight one zero two nine. Thanks to the Despo always for their continued support of Wing It Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. Uh, going through over under win totals because yeah, it's just a great conversation point, and also you know just fun fodder. Uh, there's some pretty interesting ones in the league this year. The ones that first popped up though that I find. Most compelling, uh, the 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 most action right now in in in, you know, in the sports gambling world on over under win totals is on the Patriots at seven and a half. I assumed when I first heard that stat that most people were putting their money on the Patriots over, but it turns out that most of the money that's on that over under is on the Patriots under. So uh, most people out there think. The Patriots might not be very good this year. And uh, I find that interesting. It's hard to sort of absorb because forever, I mean, for the duration pretty much of the first, what, 17 or 18 years of the 21st century, it was New England as the AFC champs and New England as an AFC contender. And uh, then since the, the split and Tom Brady moving on, the Patriots have been on the outside looking in, and all of a sudden, the AFC East, which used to be the AFC least, is now the AFC most. They have one of the most talented divisions in the league. The Bills are not the Bills of old and the laughing stock of the NFL. Instead, the Bills are a, a true, I think, top five team in the National Football League right now. The Jets are revamped and have a, a, a really good defensive unit and a Hall of Famer now, future Hall of Famer. At quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, how much can he move the needle? I'm not sure, but they're certainly going to be better than they were a year ago. Then you got Miami, who's got one of the upstart coaches in the league, and Mike McDaniel, really talented former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and Tua Tango Vailoa, Tyree Kill. I mean, they've added a whole bunch of different pieces there. They have great players on offense. I didn't realize this till the other day. Bradley Chubb plays for Miami as well, so they are locked and loaded defensively as well with uh, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb on the defensive line and some of the best secondary players. Uh, in the NFL as well, uh, including Xavier Howard. So th- th- a ton of, of talent now in the AFC East. So uh, then you got to also realize that the Patriots, not only do they have they regressed a little bit, uh, I should say a lot of bit as a franchise, and not only has the AFC East gotten significantly better, but the AFC East this year also has to play the AFC West and the NFC East in terms of their out-of-conference schedule. So that means you're having to play the Chiefs, one of the best teams in the league. The Chargers should be one of the better teams in the league. You're having to play the Cowboys, uh, who I know the Cowboys are always polarizing, but they've certainly been a double-digit win team the last couple of years. you got to play the Eagles, who I think are one of the two best teams in the entire NFL. The Giants won a playoff game a year ago. So, I mean, where's the slouches there? Even if you look at the, you know, I think the Raiders are probably the, the third or fourth team in the AFC West. That's still a trip out to Vegas for the Patriots. They have to go play in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, then you got the Broncos as well. Where are the Broncos going to be? But I guess what I'm saying is when you really score it all out, well, you know, let's say even the best case scenario for the Patriots, they go, I don't know, three and three or four and two in league in in the AFC East. And then how many of those other games can they win? They're going to have to win at least four of them. And they got some pretty darn good opponents on there. So maybe. That under 7.5 is actually uh, a pretty good bet. I'm not sure. But congratulations to whoever won our wings there, uh, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Wing it Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. A couple other over-under win totals I thought were interesting. And the, the reason these are always so interesting is that they're almost always so accurate. It, it, pretty much every number, it's very rare you're going to find a number where you're like, oh, man, that's way too low, or oh, man, that's way too high. It's kind of exactly what you think. They got the Chargers at nine and a half. Man, I think that's perfect. I mean, if the Chargers, I think the Chargers, if they absolutely tore it up and everybody stays healthy and uh, Brandon Staley settles in, they're a what? At, at the maximum. 11 win team, maybe maybe 12, but probably, probably more like 
a 10-win team. I think the Chargers are, you know, 10-7, and second-best team in the AFC West would, would be pretty solid if you're, if you're the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So, so it's so tough, though, because then, you know, they have some players that have struggled with injuries, like uh, Austin Eckler, their running back, or Mike Williams, their big receiver. What if Justin Herbert got hurt? I mean, he, he, when you have such a game-changer at quarterback, the drop-off's going to be profound, especially when you start paying that guy like they're paying Justin Herbert. So um, I, I'm sort of stuck on that one, too. But that's why all these over-under win totals are just so intriguing uh, so we're going to actually go through and diagnose this. I was just thinking about it because I saw that those hit the machines at Sportsbet Montana. We'll actually have a, a segment where we actually make some picks and really hash it all out. But a couple of the other interesting ones that I saw were uh, Los Angeles Rams 6.5 and, and Raiders 6.5. I think both of those are intriguing because I think you, first impression, baseline, you think ah, both, both those teams are probably going to be sort of poor, you know, third or fourth in their in their respective divisions. But then you're like, okay, but what if they just kind of put it together? Could the Raiders win eight games? They, they could. could. Could the uh, Rams win eight games? I think they could, too. And so then if you bet the under, uh, you're missing by a long shot. So uh, I do think there's a lot of really good numbers out there. And uh, I also think that it gets very intriguing when you're talking about the best teams as well. Because I do, I do think here, my NFL power rankings coming into this year would go something like this. I think I'd have the Chiefs at one, the Eagles at two. I think I'd have the Cincinnati Bengals if Joe Burrow is fully healthy. Uh, at three, uh, I think I'd probably, and the reason I have the, the Bengals at three is because they're the only team that's proven they can go into Arrowhead and win. They've done it once, but that's more than everybody else since Patrick Mahomes has been under center for the Chiefs. I think the Bills are somewhere probably right there uh, in that top four range as well. And I think the 49ers are in there as well. Um, but the over-under win totals for all those teams are very interesting too just because you have to be so good to hit it, right? I mean, the Bills are very good. They won 12 games a year ago. Are they going to do that again? Or are they going to regress and win 11 games? I, I'm not sure. I just think there's so many different things that can go into a respective uh, NFL season. So we'll actually do some uh, some real picks next week after we can get some real research in. But uh, the over-unders are out. Everybody's talking about it. And so we'll keep talking about it as well. Hour one of the books. Hour two coming at you. Matt Brown. The founder and author of the Extra Points newsletter, an in-depth dive into the uh, financial and administrative side of Division One college athletics, is our guest next to talk all things college football realignment. It's our ESPN roundtable coming at you. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 